This is the What Happened Today podcast, your daily history podcast that tells you what happened on this day in history. Brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and what happened today, October 15th in 1917, Matahari, a famous dancer and courtesan, was executed for spying by French authorities outside of Paris, near Vincennes. Matahari, in the century since her death, has become a fun cultural icon. Matahari was one of the most famous women in the world in the first decade of the 20th century because she would perform these interesting, exotic, Javanese dances, wearing very little clothing, most notably ending most of them in a bejeweled bra, which for the time was almost scandalous. And then, of course, she was a spy. It's remarkable to think of this transformation. The problem with that is that she wasn't really much of a spy. She had been arrested in February of 1917 after a double agent who had been working with both the Germans and the French was arrested by the Germans and executed. His name had been given to Matahari, who was at that point going back and forth between Germany and France. The reason that she could go back and forth between Germany and France during a world war fought between the two nations was that Matahari was Dutch, who were neutral. And as the Netherlands was neutral at the time, she could actually go to either nation, not quite when she pleased, because she had to go rather circuitous routes through other neutral nations and around, instead of directly between the two nations, but she was able to go back and forth. And it was clear upon the reveal that the double agent, who was one of six people identified as working for the Germans, but the only one who was possibly giving real information between the two countries, that Matahari was, in fact, spying for the Germans. The evidence on the ground was a bit thin. It wasn't just that Matahari was this former burlesque dancer. It's that there wasn't great evidence she even knew that much or was going on. She absolutely was approached by the French intelligence office, the Chim Bureau, because she had wanted to see one of her lovers, a Russian pilot named Vadim Maslov. He had been shot down in Germany and blinded, and she wanted to see the man she loved. Knowing that she was going to Germany, the Deschamps Bureau said she should spy on Germany while she was there. The Germans, meanwhile, caught up to her once she crossed the border. They had paid her, it turned out, to do the same. She was, in fact, a double agent. The question was, how much of one was she? The fact that she got to that place at all was remarkable. Matahari was born Margareta Gertrude Zella in Leeuwarden in the Netherlands in 1876. Her mother died shortly after her parents divorced when she was in her teens. And so, having moved between relatives, at 18, she married Army Captain Rudolf MacLeod, who was Dutch but of Scottish extraction from noble clans. His family's glory was very much in the past, but he was still relatively wealthy, an army officer, and 20 years Margareta's senior. They married in Amsterdam in 1895, and then shortly after that, went to Malang in Java. Their marriage was a disaster. An alcoholic with a violent temper, MacLeod would often beat his wife. He also had mistresses and kept a concubine, and sometimes Margareta would leave her husband. In 1899, both of her children, who she had had with MacLeod, became extremely sick, possibly because they were being treated for syphilis, and complications arise. Although there was also a rumor of poisoning, mostly because people hated MacLeod. 
1902, the McLeods would move back to Europe, settling in Amsterdam. But they would not be married much longer. They were officially separated. Margarita Zella moved to Paris, trying to make it as a circus performer. But then in 1905, she hit on what would make her famous. Using her time in Java, where she learned about traditional culture, she began doing exotic dances. These were both exotic dances in the usual term, meaning that she was half naked. And the other important fact was these truly were exotic. She was dancing a Javanese style no one had seen in Europe. And in fact, she took a Javanese name, Matahari. The story was that she was a Javanese princess and that she knew sacred Indian dances. The key thing was she was stunning. She actually mostly wore a body stocking the entire time she was on stage. She refused to ever take off a bra and her dances were more unusual than truly sexual. But there was something captivating about her. Literally no one in Paris, where she mostly was based, had ever seen anything like her. And her fame allowed her to move in the highest social circles in Paris, which was helpful because by 1910, she was no longer famous as a dancer. Her fame was fleeting, at least as a performer. What she became in the teens was something between a socialite and a prostitute. She would admit to relatives that she had, in fact, slept with men for money, and it also appeared that she would have long-term relationships with wealthy men who essentially put her up at various fancy hotels, most notably the much older millionaire Emile Etienne Guimet, who had first put on one of her acts. And this was the situation she was in when she fell in love with Vadi Maslov, even though Maslov was 25 and Matahari was nearly 40. It appeared the great love of her life would change a few times, going between very different kinds of men. And the entire idea that Matahari, a Dutch woman who had pretended to be Javanese and was most famous either as the center of Paris gossip or as an exotic dancer, was going to be the great spy was probably laughable. But the French had a plan. Matahari would seduce Crown Prince Wilhelm, the heir to the throne of the German Empire. The problem was Crown Prince Wilhelm wasn't really in on any military secrets. Officially, the German state had said that he was a great soldier and leader. Really, he just had nominal titles so that the Crown Prince didn't look like a weakling. By late 1916, it was clear that Matahari was going between the two nations and probably talking much more than she should have. She was actually arrested in London in November of 1916 and interrogated by Scotland Yard. She wasn't really kept that long because there wasn't much evidence she was really a spy. On the other hand, by the time she had gotten back to France in February of 1917, she was in trouble. Codes had been broken that said that there was a German spy, the codename H21, that said it was a Dutch former entertainer who was in love with various high-ranking officers. It had to be Matahari. She was arrested in her hotel room, the Hotel Elysee Palace. And really, her case was in some ways a done deal. The official charges was that through her spying for Germany, she had caused significant losses in the spring of 1917 in what was known as the Nivelle Offensive. And this speaks a lot to the nature of World War I and why finding a spy, even she wasn't a very good one, was so important. There was a worry, really on all sides, that World War I was becoming a massive stalemate, that nothing could break through. And the Nivelle Offensive, which really took place from mid-April to mid-May, was another one of these efforts. Put into place by General Robert Nivelle, the offensive was going to sweep over the German lines in 48 hours. However, men got slaughtered, trying to cross into trenches, and suffered many more casualties and fought for much longer than planned. 
This happened consistently throughout the war. But this was a shocking defeat and actually caused a number of mutinies in the French army, which were not known widely at the time. But there was a panic as Matahari's trial opened. Putting this on her would be a good move by the French to say, we have found someone harming us. And although they didn't have much evidence that she had really given over military secrets, what they had was that she had talked to various intelligence officers and told them about various goings-on in Paris, something she actually freely admitted to. She also admitted to taking payment from Germany for being a spy, although she would also immediately follow this up by saying, but my loyalty is really to France, my adopted nation. This incongruity was a bit off-putting. And it should be said that she did talk. On the other hand, mostly she would go around and talk about Paris gossip. Just say, this is who is sleeping with who, this is what people are doing, this is what various officers are trying to do. It wasn't really important. But she had basically admitted to being a spy. Her defense was she wasn't a very good one, which no one really wanted to hear in 1917, as the war was dragging on and no one could make a breakthrough. And so Matahari was sentenced to death. Firing squad was the traditional method of execution for treason, and there was little she could do about it. A British reporter named Henry Wales was with Matahari the day she died. She very calmly faced the firing squad, refused a blindfold, and was shot by the soldiers. A legend grew up that she blew a kiss to the firing squad. The evidence actually doesn't prove that. But it symbolizes what Matahari could be. That Matahari, the beautiful dancer. Matahari, the international celebrity. Matahari, the femme fatale spy, would not only face her firing squad with eyes wide open, but would blow a kiss. Possibly she refused to wear the blindfold because she thought it was ugly and bothersome. She said, do I really have to? And she probably didn't fully understand what she was doing. The statement that even though she took money to spy on behalf of the Germans, but her loyalty was to France, never seemed to really register as a problem. The legend of Matahari grew almost instantly. From being a washed up former celebrity, she now was the great double agent. There would be movies made about her very quickly and multiple ones, most famously a vehicle for Greta Garbo in 1931. But the idea of the double agent, exotic dancer, this amazing figure was much better than the reality of a woman targeted mostly because she could go back and forth and was spilling secrets. And someone whose charges were trumped up, not necessarily because they were all false, but because it was easy enough to blame her for other problems. For all those reasons, Matahari faced a firing squad which is what happened today, October 15th in 1917. That will do it for today's episode, but as always, please check back in tomorrow for a brand new episode because we are a daily history podcast and we do put out a new episode each and every day. You can also find all of our episodes on our website, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you're listening to us on either iTunes or Stitcher, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating and leave a review because those are the ways you can help us to get onto charts and be heard by brand new listeners. You can also help us out a bit more directly by going to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash productive leisure and becoming one of our patrons. At Patreon, patrons give small monthly contributions to support ongoing creative work like a podcast network. So if you want to hear more of the What Happened Today podcast or any other Productive Leisure Network podcast, please go to patreon.com slash productive leisure and become one of our patrons today. You can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening and see you tomorrow.